this life brings suffering, Lord, I will remember what Calvary has bought for me, both now and
cross of Calvary because he loved us so much, but he rose from the dead to give us victory, to give us life, to cause his promises to unfold in our lives and to cause his goodness to unfold in our lives because that's who he is. He is good. to remind you this morning somebody really needs to know this today he's good he is a good God he's a loving God he sees you, he cares about you he's with you, he's for you he is good and we can firmly fix our hope in him, you know when the Bible talks about hope it literally means to have a confident expectation and I want to tell you today, we can confidently expect the goodness of God in our lives. I want us to pray together today. And, you know, whatever you may be facing, whatever you're dealing with, whatever's going on in the world around us today, I want us to lift our eyes above those things. Be reminded of the goodness of God. And let's together fix our hope, our confident expectation in him. Can we pray together? If you're comfortable, just lift your hands to heaven right where you are. Father, we come to you right now. And God, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are good and that you are with us. And Father, right now, I pray that you would encourage hearts, that you would strengthen hearts, that you would cause faith to rise up within us as we're reminded of your goodness today. And Father, we declare that you are good. We choose to live with our eyes lifted above our circumstances, and we fix our confident expectation in you, and we trust you, and we believe we will see your goodness in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Oh, I'm so thankful for Jesus. What a good, good God we serve. Aren't you thankful? Yes. Amen. Oh, we're so glad you're here today. Thank you for joining us, whether you're in the building or online. It's just great to be together this morning. Hey, if you are here in the building, why don't you just give a few waves to those around you before you're seated. And then also just a reminder, if you want to slip into the family room at this time with your little ones, you're welcome to do that. No pressure to do that. But if you want to, you're welcome to do that at this time. just a huge thank you this morning for your continual faithfulness in giving here at the bridge. You know, this church is such a generous church. And during this year, we have seen such an increase in needs in families here in our community, but also globally. And we have been able to really step up and meet so many more needs through our community care program, through our different missions efforts, but it's all been possible because of your faithful giving, and we're just so grateful for that. And if you want to give today, you can see on the screens the different ways that you can do that. And if you are here in the building, just a reminder that we have giving stations on each side of the auditorium exit doors that you can utilize before you leave if you wish to give in person today. All right. But today we also want to let you know about an additional opportunity that we have as a church to make a difference in others' lives. And today is November 1st. Can you believe it? We are heading into the holidays. Thanksgiving is just around the corner. And every year here at the bridge, 
the Sunday before Thanksgiving, we provide groceries to families in need, and those groceries uh, make up an entire Thanksgiving dinner. And if you would like to be part of that and help this year by providing a Thanksgiving dinner for one family, that would be awesome. And we've got these little shopping lists out at a table out in the foyer. And if you're interested in helping, you can grab one of these before you leave today. We're just asking that you provide everything on this list so it's a complete meal for one family, okay? And if you're watching online, you can also find this list on our website or on our church app. But if you are attending in person, we want you to know that you can simply bring these groceries next Sunday or the following Sunday, leave them at the bumper of your car, the rear bumper, and we'll have a truck going through the parking lot picking those up so you don't have to lug them into the building or anything like that. We will take care of that for you, all right? And if you are watching online, if you find this grocery list on the website or app, you will see the instructions on there as to how you can drop those off as well. Okay, thank you so much for being part of this and helping make a difference in others' lives this Thanksgiving. And now let's check out our church news together. Good morning again, Bridge family. We are so happy to be in church with you today. We want you to know about everything up and coming at the Bridge. So let's check out church news. What's up, Bridge Youth? Hey, don't miss youth this Wednesday night. We've got hangs at 6 o'clock and service at 7 o'clock. Hey, because of the weather and the time change, we're moving back indoors. It's going to be an awesome night. we got games. we have a new series, worship, all that. Don't miss it. Invite a friend. We'll see you there this Wednesday night. Hangs at 6 and service at 7. Our Fall Connect groups are up and running and open for you to get plugged in. If you are interested in building new friendships and growing in your walk with God, we invite you to join a connect group here at The Bridge. There's never been a more important time than now to connect with other believers and strengthen your faith. So take advantage of this opportunity. To see a full list of all of our groups, just go to our website and click on the connect tab. You can also see them on The Bridge app. We hope you'll join a connect group this fall at The Bridge. We are very excited to announce that we are reopening Bridge Kids. Our first Sunday back will be November 22nd. At this time, our first step is to open for the 1130 service only. This will help to ensure that we have an adequate number of team members in place to serve your kids well. We're going to do our very best to create an environment where kids, parents, and leaders feel safe and secure as our kids come back together. So, over the next few days, we'll be sending out specific details about our Sunday service procedures. This will help all of our families know what to expect as we reopen Bridge Kids. We are so excited to reconnect with your kids and to continue to minister to them as they connect with God and their church family. If you are new to the church, we want to help you find your place in this family. We invite you to go to our website or the Bridge app and click on the Connect tab. There, you'll be able to find a Connect card with details to help you get connected. If you don't have the Bridge Church app, just text the keywords the Bridge Church app to 77977. This is the best way to keep up to date with everything happening in church life. Thanks again for spending your Sunday with us. It's time to get into God's Word. morning, everybody. Morning. How you doing today? You guys are usually the quiet service, but I like you're very responsive right now. It's good to see you in the house of God. You look good. Hope you feel as good as you look. <laughs> that was a compliment. No, but really, you look good today, and it's so, so good to be in church with you. It's going to be a great day, and it's going to be even better because you're here. So thanks so much for joining us, whether you're in the building, whether you're online. It's good to spend Sunday morning with you. If you got your Bible, would you meet me in Luke chapter 22? Luke chapter 22. 22. Today when you came in, you should have received the elements of communion as you entered. So I hope that everybody got those. If you did not, our ushers are actually ready to put those in your hands if you didn't get it. So if there's anybody that did not receive the elements of communion and you'd like to receive communion later in the service, just lift a hand real quick. So our ushers want to make sure that we can serve you and make sure that you're prepared to receive those later on. 
Just go ahead and lift them nice and high so we don't miss you. Awesome. Thank you, ushers, for that. You know, today we are going to be partaking of communion at the end of the service. And a little over a week ago, I really felt like God was just kind of talking to me about some things that I saw as I per, uh, partook. I don't know if that's the right word, but as I received communion last week in a wedding ceremony that I did. And I just felt like God was talking to me about communion a little bit. And, you know, it's been a little bit here at the bridge since we've done communion together. Now that we're meeting in person again, really felt like today was a good day to do this. So we will be receiving of communion later on in the service. But I want to talk to you for just a few moments about the simplicity of communion. Because um, I know that it's not often anymore that we come to church and the entire message is built around communion. But I really felt strongly like the Lord was just kind of bringing us back to some simple foundational things that I think are going to unite us and bring us together. How many think it's a good idea for the church to be united during the days in which we live? Amen. You know, as Christians, as followers of Christ, one thing we hold in common is Christ. We come from different backgrounds, different places, different races, different ethnicities, all kinds of things that make us different. And those are things that we should celebrate. We should look around and celebrate our diversity, celebrate the difference in backgrounds and the things that maybe we don't have in common. But as we come together as the people of God, we do hold Christ in common. We are the church. We're the body of Christ, and it's such a beautiful thing. And, you know, I got to thinking over the last few days, we here at the bridge, especially from Pastor Gary, one of the things that he likes to say is that the bridge church is a big tent. In other words, there's a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds and places. And the way that you might view communion or church altogether might be different than the way I do because of my upbringing or your upbringing. For example, when it comes to communion, I've always just called it communion. And I grew up in a church kind of like the bridge. And I have to be careful as not to knock that over right now because I was warned between services, you came this close time and time again in first service, so I'm going to be careful. But, you know, we, we have our differences in background. And for me, I grew up in a church a lot like the Bridge Church. So when we come and we partake of the Lord's Supper or communion together, this is kind of what I've, I'm accustomed to. It's relatively casual, but we don't really take away the meaning and the depth of what those elements represent. But maybe you came up in a different background, and so the way that we do things here at the Bridge is a little different for you. You might have grown up Catholic or more of an Orthodox uh, tradition or maybe like a high church tradition where the priest serves you the elements of communion. And maybe you don't call it communion. You call it Holy Communion or Mass or you call it a sacrament or perhaps you call it uh, the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table or the Eucharist, which comes from a Greek word that means just to give thanks. Whatever your background is, we all come together and the thing that we have in common is Christ. And it's so cool that when we come together and do this, we have the opportunity to come back to something that's actually quite simple. And I think because of a lot of our differences in backgrounds and our traditions, we can take that which has been given to us in Scripture and sometimes complicate it. When God really intended it for it to be a very, very simple thing. And I want to come back to some of our basics and some of our foundations today as we partake of communion later on in our service. And, you know, when you look at Scripture, we're actually given very little scriptural instruction on how it is that we are to partake of communion or how we should receive it. Do we do it in our homes only? Do we do it in church only? Is it something that's for only believers? Is it something that's for everybody? You know, there's a lot of different ways. Are we supposed to do specifically wine and bread or other, other elements that you can use in substitute of that? There's a lot of questions that we ask, and oftentimes we complicate what communion was originally meant to be. And I want to come back to some of these foundations today. There's really four places in Scripture that talk about communion. In, in three of the four Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we see those three authors essentially give us identical stories or tellings of Jesus serving communion to his disciples at what we call the Last Supper. And those stories are so identical and so close to one another, there's hardly any variation that we could almost say there's just the, gospel account, the Gospels accounting of Jesus serving communion to his disciples. And then Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Now I want to look at both of those accounts, specifically Luke's account, and then Paul's uh, account of talking about communion in 1 Corinthians 11. But today I want to do it a little bit different because instead of complicating what communion is, I want to simplify it. Today I want to look at communion from a slightly different perspective. Rather than seeing it as a religious obligation, I'm hoping that today we can look at communion as a relational opportunity to come to the table of the Lord. And just like Jesus did with his disciples, today I want to invite all of you to take a seat at the Lord's table. 
okay? So before we partake of communion, let's talk about a few things. You know, the body and the blood of Christ are central to our receiving of communion. And we will talk about those things here in just a little bit. But first, I want to talk to you about four specific thoughts around communion that we see expressed to us from Scripture. So if you're taking notes here in the room or you're taking notes at home, here's the four words that I want to talk about today, okay? Number one, I want to talk about obedience. Why do we take communion? Number one, we do it out of obedience. Number two, we do it out of remembrance. Remembrance. We remember what Jesus did. Number three, we take communion out of expectance. There's an expectance that's associated with our partaking and receiving of communion. And then finally, number four, we do it out of repentance. And we'll talk more about that one later on and what that means. But let's look specifically at Luke chapter 22 and see what Jesus had to say about communion when he served it first to his disciples. This is what it says in verse 14. When the hour had come, Jesus sat down and the 12 apostles or disciples with him. Then Jesus said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Now the full context here is that Passover is approaching. A lot of Bible scholars differ on whether or not they were preparing the Passover meal, if this was simply a meal around the unleavened bread and the cup. We're not exactly sure because Passover was one day out of an eight-day celebration, okay? So let's go on. Scripture says in verse 17, or excuse me, verse 16, for I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Verse 17, then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And Jesus took the bread and gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And finally, in verse 20, likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. So the four words that I want to talk about with you today, number one, I want to start with the word obedience. Why do we partake of communion together as Christians, as followers of Jesus, as the church of Jesus Christ? We do it first and foremost out of obedience. When Jesus sat down with his disciples, he said in verse 9, after he'd given them the bread and the cup, he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this. Everybody say, do this. Do this in remembrance of me. So immediately Jesus gives an instruction. He gives a command. So that means that we, as his disciples in the 21st century here, we are to continue in this ordinance that he gave the disciples to continue to take him at his word, to, to be obedient to this command and partake of the cup and of the bread. Now, Jesus gave this command, and it's indicating that we should continue in it. But one thing that is undeniable here is that there's a command given. So this is an ordinance that we should all be obeying throughout the course of time. Jesus instructs his disciples to do this, which means that we even still today will do it. Why? Because we still today are Jesus' disciples. It's really easy to allow a commandment to become a religious obligation rather than a relational opportunity in our faith. And I want to talk to you about that for just a, a minute here. Because I was actually reading and studying this over the course of the last few days, and the passage of scripture that I've read to you earlier comes from the New King James Version. And maybe you read a Bible like mine where the translators have taken subheadings and they've put them in above the passage that you're about to read. And that subheading serves as a summary to describe what that passage is about to say. I was reading through the Bible as I prepared for this, and in the New King James Version, the subheading above this passage says that Jesus institutes the last supper he institutes the last supper i thought that was kind of a funny word because the word institute is kind of an institutional word it sounds very academic it sounds very religious it almost sounds legalistic because it's almost like jesus is saying a new rule i give you you must follow or else and so when we talk about obedience and taking jesus at his commandment to do this it's very easy to put lines around communion and say well i do it out of obedience if nothing else and obedience is an interesting thing in our Christian walk because sometimes we, we miss God's heart, we miss God's love and God's grace for us, and we look at obedience as something I have to do to stay in right standing with God. In fact, there's a passage of scripture that I'll read to you really quick, just one simple verse that I think helps to illustrate this very well. In John 14 and verse 15, Jesus said these words to his disciples. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, 
Keep my commandments. Our staff, we did a study last year that was about a 12-week study, and we actually spent a lot of time talking about the heart behind this verse. Because we tend to look at this verse and think that what Jesus was saying was, you will prove to me that you love me by doing the things I've told you to do. I mean, how many people want to have a marriage like that? You will prove to me that you love me by doing the things I've told you to do. And if when I come home, the checklist is complete, then I'll know our marriage is good. Nobody wants a relationship like that. And especially when it comes to our view of God, our view of Christ, we shouldn't have the perspective of Jesus that, that is something like this. He gives us commandments of things we have to do in order to make him happy. That's not the way that we should view God, nor should we view Christ. And here's what I mean by this. When I think about everything that Jesus did for me at the cross, I understand that Jesus, by giving himself up at the cross, performed or gave his life away in the most amazing act of love that anybody could ever do. Somebody say amen to that this morning. There is nothing that I could do that would ever equal to the loving display and the loving thing that Jesus did when he gave his life away at the cross. And so when we talk about obedience, one of the things that we have to understand is that Jesus was so compelled with love and the Father's purpose for his life that he laid his life down for us. So when Jesus sat with his disciples and instituted this command and said, take the bread and take the cup and do this in remembrance of me, do this as a commandment, he was actually telling him, I'm about to lay my life down in love for you. And I think the disciples knew the love and the grace and the mercy and the compassion of Jesus so well that when Jesus gave this commandment, it wasn't hard for them to keep it. Why? Because they knew his heart. A lot of us, when we think about the commandments of God, the commandments of Christ, we look at the commandments and we think, these are the rules I must follow to please God. And we miss the point, which is Jesus' love for us was so great that how could our response not be anything more than to say, Jesus, you did so much for me that I'm willing to do what you've asked me to do. I will partake of the bread, I'll partake of the cup, I'll do it in remembrance, I'll do it out of obedience, and I'll do it because you loved me. I don't do it out of obligation, I do it out of opportunity to dine with you, to commune with you, to sit at your table and honor you for what you've done for me. I want to, thank you. And I want to just say this so clearly, there is nothing that you and I could ever do, no act, no deed, nothing that we could ever do in our own human life that would get us in right standing with God. And when you consider what Jesus did for us, the ultimate act of love, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross for us. Why would my response be anything different than to lovingly say, I'll take you at your word, Jesus, and I will honor you all the days of my life, and especially when I come to the table of the Lord. Because obedience is not about obligation. Obedience is about a relational opportunity. The disciples understood this because they walked with Jesus. They talked with Jesus. They knew Jesus. And as a result, they were willing to take him at his word and take him at his command. So when it comes to partaking of communion, like we'll do here in just a little bit, we do it, number one, out of obedience. You know, the disciples, before Jesus went to the cross, when he gave them this, he was looking ahead, and he knew that this was something that they were going to have to continue to do. But what's so interesting about it, like I said, the disciples walked and talked and lived with Jesus, and they knew his heart. And I think sometimes when it comes to obedience, we look past the relationship that Jesus offers us, and we see that sacrifice he made as full payment for our sins, and we miss out sometimes on the reality that he also wants to be in friendship with us. Did you know that Jesus wants to be in friendship with you? especially through the Holy Spirit. But listen, before he talked about the Holy Spirit coming to empower the disciples or later the apostles, he had these words for them. In John chapter 14, he says, if you, or excuse me, that's if you love me, keep my commandments. But he goes on in John 15 and he tells them, he says, I call you my friends, no longer my servants, but my friends. And then he also goes on later and he says, greater love hath no man to lay down their life for a friend. Did you know that Jesus wants to be in friendship with you. And so when we come to the Lord's table, we recognize it's not just obedience that observes what Jesus did so long ago. It's an opportunity to sit down in his presence and be in relationship with him. So we do it out of loving obedience because he loved us. But look at this, number two, the second word, second reason why we partake of communion. We do it out of remembrance. Same verse that we read a moment ago, verse 19 of Luke chapter 22. Jesus said, do this, how? In remembrance of me. So we have the command to do this, but the question is, how do we do it? We do it in remembrance. 
You know, Jesus was telling the disciples that soon he was going to be laying his life down on the cross. And it's interesting that Jesus would look at the disciples and say, do this in remembrance, in remembrance. Now, here's what's fascinating to me. Each and every one of us have memories that are etched in our mind of significant things that have happened in our lives. And so I can think about some of the greatest days of my life, some of my greatest victories, some of my greatest days of overcoming, some of the days where I experienced the greatest amount of joy. And those memories are etched in, like in stone in my mind. But I can also look back at some of the hardest days of my life and some of the most difficult things that I've been through, maybe great losses that I've experienced, maybe great hurts that I've experienced in my life. And because it hit us so hard, the great days and the difficult days, those memories are etched in stone and etched into our minds and our hearts and when Jesus tells his disciples, I want you to eat and drink and do this in remembrance of me, what's so interesting is he says this before he goes to the cross. And the disciples, they know he's going to go to the cross, and they know that he's going to lay his life down soon. But they don't yet know just how ugly this is going to be. Maybe they hadn't considered the fact that by the time Jesus gets to the cross, he will be so badly beaten and bruised that he is unrecognizable to those who know him. And this man that they've walked with and talked with and, live and, and lived with and just experienced such deep, intimate friendship with is going to become this great symbol of sacrifice. And now they're sitting at a table with him. And Jesus says, that, I want you to go on later and do this in remembrance. If I were to ask you about some of these great things that are etched in stone or even difficult things that are etched in stone, these memories that you have in your mind and in your heart, and I'll say, do you remember the time? You'll say, do I remember? How could I forget? It was the greatest day. How could I forget? It was the most difficult day. There's no way that the disciples could have possibly forgotten what Jesus was about to do. And Jesus says to them, you're going to get past this. And in the future, as you go forward in the ministry that God's called you to, I want you to continue to eat and drink. And when you do it, do it in remembrance. I want you to remember what I did for you here. Now, it's important that we understand a few things about this, this picture of remembrance. Because now in the 21st century as a Christian, when I think back to the cross, I immediately think back to the place where Jesus purchased my salvation with his broken body and his shed blood. That's reason enough for me to look back at the cross and say, thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for me. But here's what's so interesting about the cross. When we come to the table of the Lord, when we break the bread and we eat it, when we pour the cup and we drink it, one of the things that it invites us to do is not just ask, how does this apply to my life today? But really, it takes our life and returns it to the cross. And we come back to that moment at the cross where Jesus laid his life down. And this week, as I was preparing for this message, Pastor Gary and I were talking. And man, one thing that just stood out to me so strong that I wanted to come back to today was simply this. All of us who call ourselves Christians look at the cross, and we know that that was the place where the price was paid for our salvation and our redemption. But you know, Isaiah 53 says that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Do you know what that means? That means that, yes, Jesus provided salvation at the cross 2,000 years ago, but there's a whole lot more that he provided that day as well. And when I come to the table of the Lord and I think about the cup, and I think about the bread, it forces me to come face to face with everything that Jesus provided there. And I have to ask myself the question, am I going after everything he provided or have I settled at salvation? Now salvation's good, right? How many would say salvation's good? I got eternity hidden away in my heart. There's a place for me in the kingdom of God when my life comes to an end. And that would be good enough except for the fact that Jesus provided so much more. And I want to ask you a question today. When we partake of communion in a little bit, when we come to the table of the Lord, when you look at the cup and when you look at the bread and you consider your own life, are there things that Jesus died for 2,000 years ago that you are still carrying today? Are there burdens that you are bearing that Jesus bore for you 2,000 years ago? Are there things that I'm choosing to take up and to carry in my own life today, even though Jesus died so that I wouldn't have to carry them now? Because when I come to the table of the Lord, I return to the cross, and I look at everything that's been made available to me, and I have to ask the question, am I receiving it? Am I embracing it? Am I pursuing everything that he has for me? Yes, he provided salvation, but he provided a whole lot more. And there's a lot that is still available to us today. Amen? Remembrance. We eat and we drink to remember. We talked about those memories of things that are etched into our mind. Do we remember them 
How could we forget them? The disciples would never forget everything that Jesus did for them at the cross and everything that they saw. But I think one of the things that the disciples understood that sometimes we quickly overlook and miss out on is that Jesus served them the bread and the cup at the Last Supper, the night he was betrayed. And what's fascinating about this is that the disciples, even before Jesus would go to the cross, they knew him in such an intimate way. And when we think about Jesus, we think about the sacrificial lamb that went to the cross, but they thought of Jesus as friend. Is it possible that when we come to the table of the Lord, we overlook this reality that in remembering Jesus, it wasn't just about the cross, but it's also about the relationship that he invites us into. For every single one of us, there's a seat at the table. And when we return to the cross, we recognize he died for our salvation. He desires to be in relationship with us. And he's made so many things available to us. We return to the cross when we come to the table of the Lord. Now, one other passage of scripture I want to look at. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I told you that three of the four gospels, we see Matthew, Mark, and Luke all talking about communion, the table of the Lord, and telling this account on the night of when Jesus was betrayed, how he served his disciples. But the apostle Paul talked about communion in 1 Corinthians 11. I just want to say very, very briefly that in this passage of scripture, Paul was actually bringing some correction to a church that had gotten the Lord's Supper and communion way out of balance by some of their practices. But he comes back to the simplicity of what communion is. And in verse 23, he says something really cool. He says, For I received from the Lord, from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. In other words, he's saying, I'm giving to you that which is given to me. When I read that passage of Scripture, it reminds me that all of us here today, we partake of communion because we receive that which was given to somebody else. Generation after generation of believers, of followers of Jesus who received communion and passed on Christ, we now hear generations later as the 21st century church of Jesus Christ, we receive that which people before us have been receiving for generations. What a beautiful thing that is. He says that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 25, in the same manner he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now watch this, verse 26. I love this. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Till he comes. The third word we want to look at is the word expectance. We receive communion. We eat and drink with a sense of expectance. I'll read it one more time in verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. For most of my life, when I think about communion and the table of the Lord, I think about the broken body and the shed blood, and I think about the death of Christ. And that's good, because Christ's death was full payment for my sin. But I've wondered all along, where does the res resurrection fit into this picture? What Paul says here in verse 26 is that every time we gather, every time we partake of the bread and of the cup, we proclaim Christ's death until the day that he comes. So look at this picture. Jesus died for us 2,000 years ago. One day we will spend eternity with him in the kingdom of God, which is still to come. But right now, here in the middle, when we partake of communion together, we proclaim Christ's death until that glorious day that we get to be with God. What that means is that in this life, right here in the middle, I might not have the answers to all of life's questions. I might not know everything that's in front of me. And I might not have a great hold on all the circumstances and challenges of the world in which we live. But what I do know is that Jesus died for my sin 2,000 years ago. And until the day comes that I'm with him in eternity, I will stand here and I will proclaim that I am redeemed. I am justified. I am set apart because of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago on the cross. Do you know what this means? It means that when I receive communion, I don't just look back. I can look ahead with hope. I can look ahead with confidence. I can look ahead with expectancy because what Jesus did then is good enough today for today, and it's going to see me through till tomorrow. Amen. Paul says we proclaim Christ's death until he returns. I don't know when that day is. I don't know when it's going to happen. It could be tonight. It could be tomorrow. It could be when my life comes to an end. But what I do know is no matter when it is, I have the opportunity right now to proclaim his death, that what he did for me then is good enough for today, and it will carry me into tomorrow. 
when we come to the table of the Lord, we don't just have to look back. We look back and we remember, and that's great. But we can look ahead with confidence as well. Amen? Good to know that there's hope for the future in this day and age in which we live. There's hope to be found. There's hope to be found in Jesus' name. And finally, the last word is the word repentance. Now, if you know your Bible pretty well, you might hear that and say, well, where's the word repentance found when it comes to communion and the partaking of the Lord's Supper? You know, Paul went on after he'd given these instructions about receiving communion to the Corinthian church, and he said some interesting words, and I want to just read these to you real quick. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 27. He said, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood. We good? Listen in. Whoever drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself or a woman examine herself. And so let them eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. I want you to think about this for just a moment because I use that word repentance and it's a very, very important word. And when it comes to repentance, I think that most of us, when we think about our life with Christ and the work that Jesus has done in our lives, one of the things that we tend to think is that I got saved a long, long time ago and it was then that I made a decision to repent and turn my life over to God. That was a smooth transition, Trev. Thank you. (laughs) We tend to look back and think that repentance was then. My decision to follow Christ was then. One of the things that we miss out on is this reality that repentance is daily. Repentance wasn't something we just did a long time ago. In fact, walking with Jesus looks a whole lot like daily crucifixion. I deny myself. I take up my cross and I follow Jesus. And I don't want to bring any harsh words of judgment for what Paul wrote here and try to stand in God's place. But one of the things that I understand is that he talks about rightly discerning the body of Christ. And he says, examine yourself. See, the body and blood of Jesus, the broken body, the shed blood of Christ, was the dividing line between my sinful life and my redeemed life. And I have the choice of which side of that line I'm going to stand on. Am I going to stand on the line of walking in my own way and not denying myself and not taking up my cross? Oh, yes, Jesus, I want your forgiveness and I want your salvation, but I'm still going to choose to walk my own way. The cross is a dividing line. And when we come to the table of the Lord, we have to understand that what Paul's saying right here is that I have to examine myself because it's up to me to decide which side I'm standing on. You know, I think about that idea again of repentance. You know, repentance literally means a change of mind, a change of heart, and a change of direction. I know that for a lot of us, when we think about Jesus as Savior, the crucified Son of God, we love the idea of Savior. But man, we struggle with the idea of Lordship, turning over the reins of our life to Jesus. That's a difficult thing, and I think that that's one of the very very, uh, central things of what Paul's talking about right here. When we come to the table of the Lord, we recognize that Jesus paid a price so that we could align our life with the sacrifice that he made. And today, I'm not saying this at all to put condemnation on anybody. But when we partake of the bread and the cup in just a little bit, it's an opportunity for us to stop and examine our own lives and simply ask the question, God, I believe in what Jesus did, but am I still walking in my own ways or am I walking in yours? Paul says, rightly discern the body of Christ. Don't eat and drink in an unworthy manner. Make sure that you know what it is that you're partaking of. We're going to partake together in just a moment, but our team's going to come and they're going to lead us in one more simple worship song. It's an old, timeless song of the truth of what Jesus did for us. And I want to invite you to participate in this moment and worship with us for just a couple moments. But perhaps during this time, you want to examine yourself and just ask the question, where am I at? In my walk with God, do I have a walk with God? Am I walking in his ways or am I walking in mine? Because guess what? Jesus paid a big, big price for the opportunity to walk in relationship with us. I think it's a good thing for us to stop, examine ourselves, 
and invite God to come in and speak to us. So would you join me and stand to your feet if you're comfortable, if you're able to, and let's worship together for just a couple more moments. save ourselves. When we were lost in our sin, you sent Jesus for us to pay a price that we couldn't pay. God, we stop today. We look back and remember all that you did for us and all that you've made available to us. God, we ask the question, where would we be without you? God, I'm grateful that you saved me when I was lost thankful that you found me when I was broken. I think you didn't wait for me to come back, but you came and found me and met me where I was. That's our story today, God. We give you thanks and praise for all that you've done. In Jesus' name. You know, right now in this reverent moment, I just want to ask if you would just remain with your heads bowed, your eyes closed for just a moment, just to honor God and even respect those around you. And we recognize you might be here today and you don't have a relationship with God. You've never put any sort of declaration of faith in God before. Maybe here and you feel like you're very, very far from God or you would even say, Zach, I feel very much unworthy of knowing God or having a relationship with him. The beauty of our story as we all stand here as believers is that we were all imperfect people who have missed the mark full of sin. Scripture tells us that we've all fallen short of God's perfection. God knew that about us, but in his grace and his mercy and his love and compassion for us, he sent Jesus, his son, his sinless, perfect, spotless lamb to come to this earth and pay the price that we could not pay for our sins by dying on a cross. And if we would put our faith in that sacrifice, we could be redeemed, we could be cleansed from our sin and be found in right standing with God. 
but Jesus didn't stop there because three days later, God raised him from the dead, conquering death and hell and the grave so that you and I would not have to face it in eternity. And if we would choose to profess Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we could experience this thing called, called salvation where we walk with him all the days of our life and we have eternity secure and set in our hearts. If you want to experience that today, if you want to choose to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I would love to lead you in a prayer in just a moment. Maybe you need to recommit your life today because you know if you're honest with yourself, you haven't been walking with God. I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. Everybody just repeat these words right after me. Say them right out loud and let's pray together right now. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I believe you're the son of God who went to the cross for me to pay a price that I could not afford so that I could be saved. I believed that you were raised from the dead, conquering death for me so that I would not have to face it. So today, I put my faith in you. I choose you. I want to walk with you and learn your ways in this life into eternity. I thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're so glad that you made that decision today. And now at this point in our service, we come to the table of the Lord. So I want to encourage you, if you would go ahead and just grab those elements of communion, those individually wrapped elements. If you're watching online and you've prepared to join us right now, now's the time to go ahead and grab those elements. If you want to go ahead and grab the bread first off the top of that cup. Scripture tells us on the night that Jesus was betrayed, took the bread and the cup. First the bread, he gave thanks and he broke it. He said, this is my body that is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. When I think about the broken body of Christ, the most beautiful thing I think of is that when I was broken, when you were broken, Jesus met us in our brokenness. His body was broken so that you and I could be put back together. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Let's partake together of the bread. Scripture says in the same manner he took the cup. He said, this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant, a new deal with God. Because of the shed blood of Jesus, we are redeemed, we are forgiven, we are restored, we are cleansed of our sins, and they are to be remembered no more. Today, let's honor Jesus and thank him by partaking of the cup. And one more time, Father, we thank you for sending Jesus for us. When we could not cross that gulf in ourselves, you sent him for us to take our place on the cross. We're so, so thankful for all that you've done for us today. We reach out to you with gratitude and thankfulness. We honor you for that sacrifice. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Would you go ahead and be seated for just a couple more moments? We're almost done this morning. We're actually ahead of schedule. But I just want to take a couple moments and give a few specific instructions. I know that as we reach the end of service, our kids can get antsy and we look at our afternoon plans, but would you just do everybody just a favor and just be still for a couple moments because this is very, very important. If you're here today and you made a decision to follow Christ, maybe for, for the very first time, or maybe you recommitted your life to Jesus today, we say this all the time, but please don't take it for granted. That is the best decision you could ever make in your life. Best decision that you could ever make. And it sounds really simple, but the reality is, this is an invitation to walk with Jesus for all of your days and into eternity. And we want to help you start that journey. Pastor Gary says all the time that this is not the end of the journey. It's simply the beginning of this new journey of faith with God. So we have a little tool that we want to give you to get you started in this journey. It's a gift. It's called the next seven days. This isn't about us. This is about you just getting this and starting your journey with God. There's a few different ways that you can get it. If you are here in the room, you made that decision today, we'll have some prayer teams that are here on each side of the floor against the wall. We'll have prayer teams that are there. Just walk up to one of our prayer teams. Let them know you made a decision to follow Jesus. And just let them know you want to get that gift. They'll give it to you. There's no strings attached. We don't need anything from you. But our prayer teams, our prayer teams are there to encourage you, to pray with you. If there's anything that you need, that's why they are there. 
And then if you need to go quickly after service, I also want to invite you to stop by the next seven days desk. It's between the glass doors before you leave the building. Just let them know you made a decision today and you want to get that book. They'll give it to you again. We don't need anything from you, but we're here to help in any way that we can. And when it comes to our prayer teams, if you, you have need for special prayer today and you just want someone to encourage you and pray with you, please come see one of our prayer team members because I know that that's what they have in their heart to do is to pray with you and encourage you with whatever it is that you might be going through, all right? Hey, we're so glad that you made that decision. If you're watching online, you can get the next seven days just by clicking on the connect tab. Fill out that connect card. There's a box that says, I made a decision to follow Jesus. Just give us your contact info and we'll be happy to send that to you. If you're watching on any social media platform, you can direct message us with the words next seven. We'll get your contact info and be happy to send you the next seven days. Thank you so much for making that decision. Can we just put our hands together and welcome some people into God's family today? Awesome. Before we go, just want to remind you, hey, stop by the community care table in the foyer if you want to purchase holiday meal bags for people that might be needing assistance around Thanksgiving this year. They can give you all the details. If you're watching online, you can see the shopping lists and instructions on our website as well as the Bridge app. Let's be a blessing to our community at Thanksgiving this year, all right? And then finally, if you came ready to give and you want to give in person today, there are giving stations on either side of our first exit doors right here as well as a giving station out by Kids Check-In. Thank you so much for being in the house of God. We hope that you've been blessed today. Have an awesome Sunday and a great week. We'll see you again next weekend.